Thank you, our special guest and our worship team today. Well, I have a problem. I have thousands of words to say and only three sermons left to say them. So I'm feeling this anxiety about speaking to you my heart. And this is a big book. There are 66 books in the Bible, and they're all wonderful. And I've been wanting to focus on love, and this morning I've decided to go to a familiar text that highlights the love of God, Luke chapter 15. So you pray for me as I complete these two weeks that are left Miss E assigned this text to me to speak on for chapel at the Early Learning Center this week, all right? So on Wednesday, I read this text, and I acted it out for the children. Verse 1 of Luke 15. Now, the tax collectors... And sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I wish I could read the rest of the chapter for you. It'd be a great thing to do this week, to read the rest of Luke 15 and Read about the lost coin next, and then the lost son, all of which are responses to the grumbling of the Pharisees about Jesus welcoming sinners. He welcomed these sinners and ate with them. Megan Markle is living the dream. She married Prince Harry this week, and now she is Duchess Meghan, part of the royal family. Harry is sixth in line for the throne of England. There were a duke and duchess back in the 1700s 
who hired for themselves a court preacher. His name was Erdman Hermeister. And the court preacher addressed the duke and duchess as the preachers did in the ceremony this week. What do you think this court preacher back in the 1700s said to the duke and duchess? He quoted the text from which I just read. He welcomes sinners and eats with them and composed for them a song. Sinners, Jesus will receive. Sound the word of grace to all. That's the message that the court preacher brought not only to the Duke and Duchess, but to generations of Christians who sang, Jesus, sinners will receive. It's wonderful news. It's great news. And it's the news that begins this passage about lost things. Before Jesus shook Jerusalem, when he left that tomb empty, before Hundreds of people saw him in his glorified body before he startled and amazed the crowd as he ascended into heaven and was received into the clouds. Jesus was already famous. He was famous for loving sinners. In fact, he said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. It was his mission in life to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. It was his focus and his passion. In this passage, he is describing for us his own heart about this one lost sheep that he so wanted to find. And when the religious elite grumbled about him eating with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus responded with this story about how heaven rejoices when one lost sheep is found. There is more rejoicing in heaven over that one than the 99 who remained in the fold. Jesus tells this story Because he knows the story of us. He knows our story. He knows your story. Nobody had to tell Jesus what was in a man. He already knew. I've learned a little bit of one or two stories this very morning. Stories that resonated with what Jesus spoke in this passage. Because Jesus knows your story and the story of us, he told these parables of the lost things. Anytime you see a story of Jesus, 
you want to find yourself in it. I was not able to read all three stories. And there are a couple other places where you might find yourself, for instance, as the elder son of the father. The prodigal son had a brother, and that could be you. Jesus intended for those Pharisees to hear about that elder brother who grumbled and complained when his sinner brother came home and was welcomed so warmly. But you're there in this story of lost things. I wonder where you are. Are you about to flee the Father's house? Is that you? Are you about to throw off those shackles and say, I'm out of here? Like the lost sheep, maybe? You're going to wander away out of disinterest? Not really angry or frustrated, just busy. You know, that sheep that wandered out of the fold was probably not angry at the shepherd. He just left. Sheep do that. They wander off. I have a brother-in-law who was a shepherd for many years, and he said, a sheep is an animal looking for somewhere to die. And he was always finding them trapped, stuck. Shepherds tell stories about carrying lost sheep on their shoulders and rescuing them in the wilderness because that's really part of the job. And sometimes it's a big part of the job. There's a lot of lost sheep who just wandered off and somehow disconnected and they can't seem to get back. And maybe that's the story of you. Maybe you're more like the coin who doesn't really have any reason, just gets lost. And you're the one who feels overlooked and passed by somehow in life. And that's really your story, how you feel. I mentioned to a woman once that God loved her, and she said, why should God love me? Nobody has ever loved me. There are people in the world who feel like that, like Heidi, whose parents abandoned her at a dumpster in Las Vegas, said they were coming back. She was 12. They never returned. Such stories are out there in the human family. So when Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, maybe it's the story of you. Are you about to leave the father's house like that prodigal who was frustrated and felt constrained being part of the family and part of the father's house? He wanted to find out what life was all about. And so he took off to discover for himself, demanded his inheritance. Dad, give me everything that's mine. 
I'm leaving. And so he did. And there are those who have spent maybe a lifetime in the Father's house. And something begins to work in them as it did with this son that Jesus describes. And he decides to go. It is the story of us and maybe your story that you left. You left the confines of faith in the Father's house to find something that you needed. You left maybe because you didn't understand how much the Father loved you. I think that was part of the prodigal's problem. He didn't understand the Father. Didn't realize who he was. He took off confused about the Father. I think we leave sometimes because we want to make our own identity. We want to find ourselves, so to speak, and maybe that was what the prodigal did. It is the story of us. Jesus describes that lost sheep in the wilderness, away from the flock, unable to find his way back. In the story of the prodigal son, he describes this man who having taken all his inheritance ends up in this strange country, spends it all and gets a job feeding the hogs. He is experiencing the consequences of sin. Sin is a theological word, okay? It's a spiritual word. It's not the same word as mistake. The word sin implies a moral failure that we knew to do right and we failed to do it on purpose or we knew that what we was what we were doing was wrong, but we did it anyway. That's sin. I had a seven-year-old this week talking to me about sin. And I said, have you ever sinned? And he said, yes. And then he explained to me how he had sinned. Specifics about his sin. I've known I was a sinner from the time I was even younger than that. I've known about sin, and so have you. Don't be confused. It's not an intellectual deficit that sin has entered your life. It's not simply that you were ignorant about something, and so sin came your way. It's that you purposefully and with intention decided that you would Go against what you knew to be God's will and purpose. In other words, you were doing something against the father. Just as the prodigal son spurned the father and turned away from him. So we do that too. 
It is the story of us. It is the unfortunate role of a preacher to often hear the story of the consequences of sin. I've heard them already this morning. And it happens every day. People talk about where they are, where they have fallen, and the situation they're in, acknowledging that it's their fault. I did this to me. Say, maybe this is the story of you. You left the Father's house to find yourself, left the space of safety and faith and love and took off on your own, not realizing maybe all that you were leaving. And now you are experiencing the consequences of sin. There is pain in your life that is self inflicted and you know it you can trace it back through the to the decision you made you walked into a situation with your eyes wide open knowing it wasn't really good for you and now you're in a place where you never thought you'd be and it feels like you were stuck and trapped The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says all has sinned. So I can look in my life and see how disobedience to God and turning away from Him has affected me and brought me down and brought pain into my life. And you can do the same. When Jesus told the story, He knew it was the story of us and then the shepherd goes out and finds that sheep now I picture the sheep bleating okay the coin cannot make a noise the lost coin is helpless absolutely cannot do anything to be found right that's that's the story of us too We are helpless. But that sheep can bleat. It can make noise. And this son who has left can come to his senses. Realize he's run away. Francis Thompson said, I fled him down the night's and down the days I fled him down the arches of the years I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind and in a mist of tears I hid from him he called his poem the hound of heaven and he felt like God pursued him when he was absolutely running away and the prodigal son has a moment when he comes to his senses 
There is a descent that he does not understand. He is confused. He goes down into this place. He's had all the resources of the Father, all the benefits of this loving family. He took off and he left it and he gets in this place that he cannot comprehend where he is. And he's feeding these hogs and he wakes up and Jesus says in the story, he comes to his senses. He comes to himself. He realizes he's in a place where he's trapped and he has no options. It's the story of us. There's probably somebody and maybe somebody's in this room right now who experienced this very feeling the prodigal son felt. He's at the end of his road. It's a road he has chosen. He thought he wanted it. That in the end, it's made him a prisoner. And he comes to himself. Is that what's happening in you? Every Sunday, there's somebody who shows up and sit in, sits in that pew who has been stirred that week and awakened by the Spirit of God to a condition that pertains in their life that doesn't have to be, and they're looking for a way out. They're looking for a new path. They're looking for something else. They have fallen, and they're seeking a solution. And so it was with a prodigal son, and so it often is with us no matter how smart we are how worldwise we are how much money we have no matter all those other things sometimes we fall into a brokenness from which we cannot extricate ourselves I remember a college professor to whom I witnessed and eventually he prayed to receive Christ. And he told me, he said, I felt for these years like I was living in this cell, in this prison, trapped in my own filth, being fed through the bars. And then I leaned against the door and found that it was open. He had this great story of liberation and release. Jesus tells this story because it is the story of me and of you. And I want you to know if you feel trapped by your sin and pulled down by the mistakes you've made and you feel like your failures are final and there's a helplessness in you, I want you to know Jesus, sinners, will receive. Sound this word of grace to all who the heavenly pathway leave. All who wonder. All who fall. Sing it over and over again. Christ receiveth sinful men. Make the message clear and plain. Christ receiveth sinful men. It is the message to the Duke and the Duchess.
and the message to you as well. So is this moment happening to you? Are you actually looking and searching? Do you feel like you've wandered in circles long enough and it's time to find an anchor for your soul? Is that the story of you? Do you want to return to the Father's house? Do you want to come back to the Father's house? There is this moment when the prodigal says, here I am starving to death, eating what I feed to these hogs, and my father's servants eat better than this. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But would you make me one of your hired servants? Could I have a job? We go through this speech. See, the prodigal son still does not understand his father. He lived in the father's house. He ate the father's food. He wore the clothes his father provided. Everything that he had was a gift from his father. And still, he does not understand who the father is. Jesus tells this story to people with stories like us. So we will correct our misperception of the character and nature of God. And realize God loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And he knows our stories. Before we live them, he knows our stories. And he loves us still. And all our scrambling and failure. In that too, he loves us. And when we get so low, we suppose that we will go back to the Father. And say, I'm not worthy to be your son, but could I have a job? Because I'm starving to death. What Jesus says is, the story of us is this. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. The father's been waiting for your return. From the moment you wandered off. From the moment you left. He's been going out every day. Watching the horizon. Looking for you. Hoping you'd show up. And when that lost son. Shows up on the horizon. The father knows his profile. Knows his gait. And knows it's him. And he runs to his son. And when he gets there, the son begins his speech. And the father won't even let him finish the speech. You see, the prodigal son is there already when he says, I'm not worthy. Right. 
all this time, you've been thinking you were worthy, thinking you're in the house of the Father because you're so good. No, no, no. That's not the story of you. You are not the person who has always been faithful, always been good, and that's why you're in the Father's house. That's not your story. If you think it is, you are the elder brother. Your story is a story of sin and moral failure and pride and fear and anger and resentment and bitterness and greed and lust That's your story. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save the ones who actually get their own story. You can't help the person who thinks they're well. They that are well don't need a physician. You don't need the physician if you think you got it all together. You come to the physician when you know you're sick. The story of us is that we have a God who loves us so much we cannot comprehend. And the moment we make our turn toward him and say, I'm not worthy, and we make our turn, he comes running. Not to give us second-class citizenship. Not to make us servants in the house. When the son shows up, he gets the ring, he gets the robe, he gets the feast. He is fully restored just like you when you come to the Father. It's the marvel of God's grace. It's the story of God's grace. The son did not realize how much the father loved him. And the son sometimes feels he's broken beyond repair. I've done so many things God would never accept me. God could never forgive me for all the stuff I've done. I've heard that over and over again. You know, I'm too far away. I can't live the Christian life. It just, I can't do it. I hear that. I'm too broken. Have any of you heard of Choking Charlie? How many of you have heard of Choking Charlie? Any EMTs? All right. There's a Choking Charlie person. Choking Charlie is famous among the EMTs and all. They came to a business in Gatesville, Texas, uh, the International Association for the Prevention of Accidental Choking. Did you know there was an international association for that? And they came to Gatesville, Texas in in the 1970s, and they said, we want you to make a mannequin that we can use to train people how to do the Heimlich maneuver. You've heard of that, right? Okay. And so Medical Plastics Laboratory in Gatesville 
created Choking Charlie, the mannequin used for decades to train people how to address a person who is choking. And it has saved a lot of lives. I did not know when I heard from Trinity Baptist Church and Charlie Wise that Charlie Wise was choking Charlie, okay? That he was the guy who made the mannequin that went around the world. I knew him as the chairman of the pastor search committee for Trinity Baptist Church. And I prepared a resume to take over to medical plastics and hand to Charlie Wise and say, okay, someone asked for my resume, here it is. My mother diverted us. She recruited me and three of my adult siblings to go pick up an old upright piano that she'd bought for $200. My brother had a long pickup truck. That was Tim. So we loaded up and we went and got that piano. We backed it up to the house. We tried to lift that thing. I think it weighed a thousand pounds. We struggled and worked until we finally got that piano in the pickup truck and the spring sank and we sat down on the edge of that pickup bed and we thought, that thing is not going anywhere. So we didn't tie it down. We just got in the pickup truck and left. And on the way to mom's house, I said, oh, I got to give my resume to Charlie Wise. And the business, medical plastics, is just one turn and then another off this highway. Let's just go give it to him. Fine. All right. So we make the turn. We go down the highway about two blocks. We turn into medical plastics, which is a dip down into the parking lot. And when we did, there was a gust of wind that came along, and the pickup rocked. And I looked back in time to see the piano move to our left. And I guess I gasped, or maybe I screamed, and Tim slammed on the brakes right then. Just enough to give that piano the momentum it needed to rock all the way over, hit the side of the pickup, turn all the way 180 degrees and slam down on the parking lot straight on its top with an explosion that you could hear, I guess, for miles. People ran to the windows of medical plastics. I could see, you know, Charlie Wise showing up. The piano disintegrated. It was an old piano. Somebody had glued it together a hundred years ago. Every seam broke. I jumped out of that pickup truck and ran around and looked, and the piano was a pile of wood. It was not identifiable. The four of us went around there and we picked up, I guess, 60 or 70 pieces 
and just put them in the back of the truck. Loaded it up. I did go in to see Charlie Wise. Fortunately, he'd been in the back of the plant and unaware of the explosion. I gave him my resume. They never learned this story. I didn't tell it while I was at Trinity. Now they're tickled as they can be. So we took the piano to my mother's house. We rode in silence. Except for pieces of wood screeching on the edge of the bed of the truck. Like we were carrying a load of firewood. We backed up to the back porch of my mother's house. I mean, what do you do, you know? We carry the piano in. Piece by piece. My mother comes to the porch. She stands there with her arms crossed. Her lips are tight. I think she's gritting her teeth. She doesn't say anything. We unload the piano, put the little pile of wood in the middle of the porch, and leave. (laughs) If you know my mother, you know we left. (laughs) Several months later, I came back to see my mom and I was careful, but I approached the subject of the piano. You know, I said, well, Mom, whatever happened to that old piano? (laughs) Mom says, oh, David, Dad and I cleaned it up, took off the old glue. It needed to be done anyway. Glued it back together. You can go play it in the back porch if you want to. (laughs) We've been playing it. All this time. And I walked back there, and there was the piano. All put back together. And I played it a little, and it played fine. I said, it's a miracle. And I told my mother later, I said, how in the world? She said, David, it's the best thing could have happened. It just needed to be reworked. Never did I dream when I laid my eyes on that pile of wood in the parking lot that that piano would ever play again. Just like some of you think, there's no way this life will ever make music. It's too messed up. It's gone. Nothing beautiful can come out of this. Jesus knows the story of us. People say, why'd you go to New Orleans? I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so kind and true, I would tell you 
how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from us. Oh, how much he cares for me. I came here to tell you what I think of Jesus who put this piano back together and will do the same for you. Bow with me, please. Your majesty, so good to bow in your presence, king of kings, lord of lords, enthroned on high, and yet your eyes on us, your heart with us your mercy beyond all measure your grace greater than all our sin Lord to think that you desire us it's beyond comprehension thank you for knowing our story no surprises here to you. Thank you for wanting to put the pieces together and make us anew. So, Lord, here we are. Some ready to flee the Father's house. Some experiencing the consequences of sin. Some sensing the awakening of a new hunger for God. Some ready right now to return. Would you meet us in our journey and usher us home? Amen.